Why is everyone talking about Clubhouse? Did you even get your invite yet? And is it time to disrupt the music industry again? This person thinks so. Happy 2021, seems like old times. Hello there and welcome to Music Industry City's Tuesday Talkies, where we discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me as always, my co-host, Sam Tall. If there's something you'd like to chime in about, join us in the chat or leave a comment below. Don't be shy, it's okay. A uh, couple things really quick before we get on to today's show. Uh, you notice that uh, the Duke was not in that opening square there. Uh, he moved. And by move, I mean he moved to Monday, Monday kickoff. So uh, teamed up again. He's back together again with Aisha Damo for the Monday kickoff, Motivating Create. That show is fantastic. It's a great way to start your week. So I do highly encourage you to check that out. It's, uh, again, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over every Monday. So uh, let's get today what we're going to be talking about. We have a special guest, Nick uh, uh, I am totally butchering that name. He's going to tell us what his name, how to pronounce his name. He is the founder and CEO of Artist Republic and is considered one of the most innovative young entrepreneurs in the industry. His decentralized networking and management platform is valued at over $5 million and gaining some Gain quite the attention. Uh, I look forward to hearing more about this. But first, Clubhouse. Are you on it? And what do you think of it? I know we have some opinions, so let's turn to Sam Tall with his thoughts on the app. Sam. Hey, Peter. How you doing? Hey. Uh, well, uh, besides the fact that my mic, I think, was muted before, uh, I'm good. How you doing? Welcome hey, to 2021. You know, we, can't, we can't start with perfect everything. We have to have our gremlins out of the way now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, and even somebody, I just looking over the chat. What's up, Andy? Uh, chat, uh, Andy's over there on uh, uh, Twitch, and he was like, hey, lost audio, and there we go. I mean, it's yeah. the way to start off 2021. I, and I was saying, it's like, you know, 2021, uh, meet the new year, same as the old year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing's different. I remember uh, I, I, I went to bed somewhat early on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm and uh, completely let it blow me by. And when I woke up, it was just the same as it was before. Nothing different. I celebrated New Year's Eve four times. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was in uh, alt space, VR chat, all the parties, all the New Year's nice. parties in virtual reality. And we, we were club hopping. And the running joke is, is like, you know, how many different time zones are we going to celebrate New Year's and the parties every hour on the hour? It was a new celebration. Yep. So no matter what time zone you were in and it was it was really unique. It was really interesting. The fact of like, hey, I'm hanging because you're so used to like, hey, happy New Year's to the pre people standing around you. But then it's like you're in this mm -hmm. virtual room and you're standing around people. And I'm like, and I'm like, yay. And they're like, oh, yeah, happy New Year. I still got another two hours to go. <laughs> well, right, and then all the folks that were obviously, you know, uh, kicking off things early in Asia. And meanwhile, I'm over in LA, just waking up on the 31st. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, uh, living in the future and the past at the same time. Exactly. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, Schrodinger's New Year's. 
<laughs> is it is it the first or is it not the first, depending yes. on where you look? <laughs> so, well, well, speaking of this technology, and oh yeah, another plug for VR because Music Industry City is kind of doing this VR stuff. We're over in Old Space. We're doing these networking events. So, uh, and they're being successful. We've had over a hundred people in each, and the first two networking events, we've had over one hundred and fifty and one hundred and eighty people roll through in virtual nice. reality. Yeah, That's it's crazy. Nothing. It's it's awesome. I mean, I I can't do that on, on a good day in Zoom. <laughs> yeah, because we're all. Yeah, I can't out. even. I can't even fathom what 150 some odd people in a Zoom room would feel like. It would just be <laughs> chaos. Well, and and frankly, that you know, that's actually a decent it would be segue into into talking about Clubhouse. It would it's be like Clubhouse. Plus people. In a clubhouse. I, I think we've been doing this long enough that somebody knows how to where to tip the ball up, you know, get yep. the alley oop, you know, and then tip it in. So it's <laughs> so uh, like a real show, Peter. Exactly. <laughs> so um, basically, hey, what's up, Steel? I also want to give a shout out to Steel that chimed in there. So, uh, Sam, I know you got uh, you got a lot to say. I'm going to let you have the big screen for a moment. I might chime in. I okay. might pop in. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, let's let's keep it there. So here you go, man. So I'm going to set the scene for everybody. So at the start of 2020, Clubhouse was just the name of a, a software engineering project management thing. Um, completely separate thing. When I was looking into this and doing a little bit of research, I found like several apps called Clubhouse. Obviously, it's a fairly generic name. Clubhouse, as we know it, the app that we're talking about today is actually not the name of the company. Uh, it's just the name of the app made by a company. Um, and it seems to have kind of come out of stealth around April, right when everyone was hyper-focused on live experiences and most of the tech journalism, like TechCrunch, was mostly discussing video and uh, remote work type apps. So a social audio app was like a really curious thing, but uh, it was you know, brand new, not even really out in the app store yet. It was only on test flight, which is uh, a sort of a, an app beta, uh, private sort of thing that uh, Apple owns. They acquired it several years ago. And it's kind of where you stage your test apps for people to download and then break. Um, but almost a month later, they'd raised $12 million and signed up, you know, nearly 2000 famous people, venture capitalists, athletes, you know, uh, music artists, actors, um, and, and then by July, you know, in The Verge, they were already digging into the, the co-founders and like, who are these people that started this $12 million, well, $12 million raise valued at $100 million, and it's not even publicly available to everyone yet. Um, there's some concerns around some of the co-founders' uh, track record and pro data collection uh, and, and kind of what that implies for a bunch of people signing up for a brand new app without really kind of too much track, too much history, too much knowledge. Uh, knowledge of what it's going to be. Um, but, you know, of course, a lot of us got first familiar to Clubhouse around the end of September, beginning of October. And, and I think, Peter, that was around the time that you started mentioning it to me, uh, or maybe a bit after that. But um, it, it kind of had a run in with the typical internet uh, issues around content moderation, mm -hmm. inflammatory speech. Uh, specifically, there was some discussion of anti-Semitism in uh, black communities, and that turned into a platform to espouse anti-Semitism and not a debate about the, the you know, why we should not be anti-Semitic, uh, which is a, a real shame, but kind of just how the internet goes. Anyone who's been on the internet for, for any, you know, decent span of time knows that's how the internet works. Right. Um, so... Hey, I 
there yeah, wasn't so, a reporting feature at that point. Right. And and here and here's the thing. I mean, I, I just I I, I use I already used the Schrodinger Schrodinger reference today, so I can't use it again. So I have to go with kind of like I don't know if I'm I'm on the fence and I really don't know which way I'm leaning to like, is this going to find its legs and become great or is this going to just fizzle out? Or is it going to just die overnight? Like it's going to be like one of those like turntable FM kind of situations where it was like, it's hot for a month. Is it meerkat? Is it something like that? And going back to that $100 million valuation, it was less, it was in May, $100 million valuation with under 5,000 uh, users. And I actually- like very, very limited availability. Right. And, he, and here's the thing. I still found that to be, I thought it was like, that's it? Only 100 million? I found that to be odd because just the way, you, you, you know, it's like the paper napkin thing. It's kind of like, here's my idea. Oh, let's go throw it. I mean, let's go back to Quibi. Billion. Yeah. I mean, I like, I feel like Katzenberg, you know, could just pump as much money as he wanted and, and kind of like, you know, take his name around town. This seems like but, maybe but a, a, a micro version of that where like a Pinterest executive goes and, you know, to Andreessen Horowitz and mm -hmm. says, hey, can I have some money to do a thing? Right. But but the thing is, it's like the money isn't going to create the proof of concept, the valuation. And I think we're coming right. to that part. We're coming to terms with that in technology now. I think well, you know, and, that and long ride is over. Like, yeah, I, I think I think this is kind of like one of the latest versions of this uh, overvaluation of a breath of air kind of thing uh, that, that we saw a lot of you know, back like eight, 10 years ago, it was like n nonsense how much money was flying around. And it's only gotten to be more money for less, you know, proof of concept. But I think at this point, we can say that Clubhouse is fairly well proven as a concept with, you know, over 600,000 registered users by the end of last year, according to uh, the New York Times. And, and that, I mean, that growth is astounding. And it's obviously indicative of a, a massive trend in the way people want to connect and, and sort of a hunger for a connection like this. But it also makes it a lot harder to uh, keep a handle on the kind of hate speech right. and, and just like unqualified opinions on sensitive subjects that the internet just loves. Because once again, I, you know, it, I, I look at it as uh, two different things. It's, it's the modern era party chat line. Yeah. Okay. It's like, and, and I think you might even still be too young to really li have lived during like, you know, the party chat line. You call in and you have eight other people on the call and everything. Uh, and there was a moderator. There was in those party chat lines, there was always a moderator that could kick people. So what we're right. talking about is we're talking about a platform that people can still hide. Uh, and now what you're doing is instead of just being the comment section by typing, it's now a vocal, it's an oral comment section. And that could be, they, and that's going along with what you were talking about. It's like, yeah. okay, now we have to moderate this. And, you know, how soon does it get off the rails? You know, somebody asked the questions like, I posted was like, you know, what was, what's the, what's the great, what was the great thing that Clubhouse did? I'm like, well, it's marketing 101, the Studio 54 method. Mm -hmm. It says, here's all the celebrities and no, you can't get in. And then- right. They're obsessed now, with the famous people. Right. So the psychology behind that, but now you're talking about like, so, and there was already the concern that like, okay, once the celebrities, once it becomes mainstream, the celebrities aren't going to be wanting to be there. I mean, Joe Budden's there. I mean, he, isn't he on that like 24 hours? 
<laughs> He's on it 24-7. So, but, but, but here's the thing. The Vulture just released an article in uh, digital last week, uh, print this week. The title was, Clubhouse is dangerously close to becoming the new internet wasteland. Mm, I did see that one. And yeah. it, it rang true. And, and the thing I think that resonated for me was obviously with, you know, a lot of the hype and exclusivity was around like, here's a limited group of very important people who can have private conversations uh, amongst themselves in this space. And they don't need to necessarily have each other's phone number. They don't mm -hmm. need to coordinate that much. Um, but now you have a bunch of unfamous people who are in, in the clubhouse um, and that democratizes the conversation a lot. And what you get are people with, yeah. you know, much better information than people who are removed from reality, but also much worse. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and I think can, like creating, like, if you can create private rooms that there's can be, you know, the locked door kind of way, the key, right. I mean, the gatekeeper, the, you know, how are they going to monetize uh, the type of content, you know, and it's also, you know, people tend to go off the rails, like discussion topics will mm -hmm. end up going off the rails. So is it a novelty that I'm just going to sit here and I'm like, hey, I'll have my earbuds in and put it on speakerphone and just listen like I'm eavesdropping on a conversation. So you get that behind the scenes kind of vibe. Uh, but how long does that last? Well, and who, who really wants to be behind the scenes at like a small club gig mm -hmm. versus like a big arena, right? It's like right. a totally different vibe when you have, you know, Kevin Hart, and Mark Andreessen, who invested in mm -hmm. it, and uh, you know, legitimate celebrities having conversations with other legitimate celebrities, and there's like a thousand people just listening to this conversation. That's kind of cool. Having like a hundred people listen to you know a couple of you know friends talk about nothing is like, is that really all that interesting? <laughs> I mean, maybe well, to yeah, some extent, I mean, but. I mean, I mean like, uh, just Jerry Seinfeld know, made an entire career off of it. <laughs> a show about nothing, exactly. I mean, as, so. look, as long as as long as you know the the muting and the bouncing and the report, you know, user reporting features are reactive to inflammatory commentary and and just like unwelcome parties to the line. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's going to keep getting trolled. It's kind of like mm -hmm. Zoom at the beginning, like in March or April before Zoom had created a whole bunch of like security tools. And there was the, the whole phenomenon of Zoom bombing. It's kind of like a very mundane version of that where people are just dropping into clubhouse rooms and promoting their mm -hmm. stuff. And exactly. it's like it, that's not what it's there for. Or like, hey, I'm just going to join a room and hype up my thing and then leave. It's mm -hmm. like, well, you wouldn't do that in public. You'd get, you know, barred from even entering the space. Exactly. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. I say we revisit this one in like at the end of Q one. I see mean, where, I think so. Where so we stand. Here's kind of like my my prognosis, right? Okay. I had a friend actually reach out and say, you know, uh, do you think that Clubhouse is going to supplant Facebook? Do you think there's any a chance that this becomes like the new main social network? I'm like, not even a chance. Like, right. not even remotely a chance. But that said, I think it speaks to a larger sort of sentiment that's growing and it's really abstract at the moment but it, it's obviously widespread that people are pretty fed up or at least bored with facebook mm -hmm. and even yeah. instagram is starting to get a little bit just bogged down by its own weight and it just it, it feels like once things reach a certain scale in the digital kind of community uh you know space 
it just it it tends to fall apart because it loses mm-hmm. its original magic. Um, so well, I think maybe there's room for something about micro communities, something about self police sort of niche communities. Mm-hmm. Clubhouse has a little bit of that, and that's what makes it feel special. Yeah. TikTok obviously has a little bit of that with their sort of like micro communities that crop up around certain top topics and subjects, and makes it very egalitarian. Good content rises mm-hmm. very fast, but. Clubhouse, I don't think is the answer, but obviously I'm open to be proven wrong. And I just got an alert from Clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. All right. Uh, Thanks, Sam. We're going to loop back in. Uh, I'm going to get Nick up here uh, and uh, we're going to take, we'll loop back in to continue the conversation. All right. So uh, we're going to, we're testing this out. This is an experiment in live streaming and live broadcast. Um, our special guest, Nick, is his name, and Disruption is his game. So he's developed an artist management and distribution platform, uh, and we're going to bring him up on stage right now. So we haven't even tested the streams. Everything was a little tied up and like, boom. So let's see if this works. Nick. Hey. Hey, it works. We have audio. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. I do, have to, I, I do have to turn you up just a little bit here. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm good. Yeah, sorry. I was I was a little late arriving to the stream. We've been I've been having a crazy morning. Uh, welcome to you know the tech game. You wake up every single morning and there's a different you know thing going wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I guarantee you. You know I don't know if you guys work on Slack, but you know I felt bad oh, for yeah. the Slack team yesterday because Slack was down yesterday, and I was like, wow, I know exactly how that feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's that's every day in tech world. Oh yeah, and I, I remember there was um, it was a few years ago. I mean, this goes back maybe like five years, and Google went down, like all of Google, not just like a section, like basically uh, Gmail, Drive, Duo at the time, every single thing went down, and I just it was like around five o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, yeah, staff, go home because we all worked in Google Sheets, and every, it was like we yep. can't do anything. Like, go home. And basically, like the internet, just kind of like the bandwidth opened up because everybody couldn't, nobody could do anything. <laughs> so all email yeah. shut down. And yeah, I mean this this year started off crazy with the technology. And yesterday I was even uh, basically like just before I went live, all of a sudden I was like, here's a tech, here's another technical issue. Here's another, and my my computer over here is like, oh, and the fans aren't working. And I'm like, what do you mean the fans are? You need to update your BIOS. I'm like, I just did that last year. And by last year, I mean the last week of December. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so yep. that's tech world. Yeah, exactly. So welcome to Tech World 2021. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I was checking out like you know more about like Artist Republic, and uh, what I want to do here is before we can get into like this whole background, I'm going to give I'm going to put you up on the big screen here and give us the 60 second pitch. Tell, just let us know what mm-hmm. it is and tell us about it. All right, here we go. Yeah. So pretty much Artist Republic in the most simplest of forms is we are digitalizing the 360 deal of a record label. Um, but we are more importantly doing it for the independent artists. So we, I've been in the music industry now for eight, nine years. Um, and I really was working on the independent side. And I looked back at it and I said, look, you know, there's a reason that the 360 deal works so well for the large record labels because it's efficient. You can go to one place and it works. 
problem with the music tech industry is it's too segmented. And for the independent artists, they have to go to 18,000 different websites to get 18,000 different resources. And so what Artist Public does is we're taking that 360 deal and that centralization and we're bringing it to the music tech space. So now an independent artist from anywhere in the world can access production, distribution, marketing, live shows, networking, everything without leaving our website. The same way you would be able to access that if you signed to Sony Records and you know you never had to leave that building. Right on. Oh, fantastic. So, so how did you get into it? I mean, where did where did your career path get you into this space? Yeah. So I, like I said, I've been in the music industry now for about eight, nine years. So I started in the concert promotion side, actually as a freshman in high school. Um, I was hosting concerts for fun. Um, and then that became my full-time job. And by the time I graduated high school, I had about 75, 80 concerts under my belt. Um, went off to college and up there, I got more into the music marketing side of things. And so that was really when I started to see artist public grow because the music marketing company, I was representing over 500 independent artists from across the world. And at that point I was able to really see the depth of how screwed up the music industry was um, because now I've been running their marketing. I've been, you know, managing their concerts and I was able to sit back and be like, wow, this is really, really screwed up. It's uh, I was a, I was at NYU a few years ago uh, talking to the MBAs there and they were talking about licensing. They're like, oh, we want to build this platform. We want to do this licensing and this licensing. And they have these giant whiteboards that like the full room is a whiteboard. I'm like, all right, it's going to take up the whole space here. But let me tell you, show you how licensing works in the music industry. And it was with the series of like 20 chart, you know, arrows and circles and boxes. And they all looked and they said, how do you get anything done? So exactly. it's like, you know, that whole thing about like disrupting the industry. So, you know, that's, that's where you were going into. And, you know, when you talk about disrupting the industry, you're going to have people pushing back. There's, you're going to have the naysayers. You're going to, and, and this is that education for people that are looking to start their own business or, or you know, even if they want to do a label, if they want to do a license or anything they want to do within the music industry or any industry, but you're going to get that pushback. But oh, yeah. what is it that mindset, like, how do you approach it when somebody said, you know, saying like, okay, here's my roadblock. <laughs> so I, I think the naysayers and the, you know, the people that are saying no, I think is, is the best thing to kind of dive into right now. Cause literally we are in the middle of an investment funding round right now. Um, like literally for the rest of the day, I have investor meetings and, uh, you know, with investor meetings comes a lot of no's. Um, like there's the famous saying by Bill Gates, I forget the exact numbers, but he's like, you know, I got 948 no's, but it only took me 52 yeses to become a billionaire. Um, and you know, that's kind of the reality is the majority of you're running a business is going to be no's. And it's funny because, you know, I get no's all the time for so many different reasons, um, especially in this company because we're working with a lot of, when we started the funding round, we were going after a lot of music industry firms and investments. And they all said the same thing of like, look, we make too much money off the status quo. We don't want to invest in you. Um, you know, we're not ready to invest in the nail that's going to be hammered into our coffin. 
Um, and I think the greatest thing to anyone really on saying no's is like, for me, I like store those no's. Like I have a list of people that like sits in front of me on a whiteboard of like people that said I couldn't do something. Um, and I have I just a similar look at list, but it's for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think people really just need to like compartmentalize that because like when you succeed, it's so great to look at that list um, for so many reasons. Like I, the, the greatest example of this is when Airbnb went public the other day, there was a guy that tweeted and was like, I had the ability to invest $50,000 in Airbnb's seed round. He goes, I found out today that that would have been worth $80 million. I really screwed up. Well, it, it, along you know, the line, the, the guy who bought a pizza, a pizza with Bitcoin in, two, in 2012. Yeah, yeah. The, the $5 million pizza. So I, I, I have a question, because, you know, going through, like, you know, look, you know, looking up more about and everything and... Um, you know, and I know Sam is going to perk up when he hears this question. We're going to go full circle here uh, with get mm -hmm. everybody on the screen. But, you know, you're, you're, one of the things you like to me is like how artist management can evolve uh, and be reinvented to like favor the artist. And that's always that's always that saying within the music industry. It's like, how do we favor the artist? What can we do to favor the artist? And I, I'm going to start off with the devil's advocates here. Uh, coming from an old manager's side is like, well, how? what about, you know, favor the artist? But as a management side, you know, artist management. So if I'm an artist manager, you know, I'm working on commission. So I want to favor the artist, but I also need to favor myself too because I'm working on commission. So how does how are you looking at like the artist management? Uh, how can the artist management evolve and be reinvented? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a, so many of my close friends are, are managers. And it's funny because the first thing that I usually comes across when I pitch this idea and I'm talking with other people that are managers, they're like, so you want to replace my job? It's like, well, no, not exactly. I want to better your job. Um, because I've always said that we're not here to compete with the music industry. We're here to be synergistic to the music industry. It's just right now we have to compete. Because we don't have like when we launch this thing, and, that, and that's what a lot of people realize too. When you launch companies, is you don't have enough traction to really get people to partner with you. So you kind of have to build stuff your own. Um, and then once you get enough, you know, of like whoa factor, you're like, okay, um, you know, like we we tried to partner with a bunch of distribution companies with, before this thing was real, all the the major independents, and they turned us down. And I think it's funny because now they're starting to copy us and roll out features that we have because they're probably thinking, oh, crap, we should have partnered. Um, and so but going back to that, that management idea, that's the thing is we're not here to compete. We're really here to make it more effective. And how you do that is, you know, for the artist that doesn't want a manager, we want to provide them with the resources to self-manage themselves. But we know 100 percent artists do not want to be self-managed forever. Um, if they're blowing up, it's just not efficient to be self-managed forever. And the difference is, like I usually say, is there's a difference between when a manager hires an individual, like hires the artist, where the other difference is the artist hiring the manager. We want a world where the artist is hiring the manager, because where does the creative control lie? And then once we do that, we want to be able to provide a platform that managers can use to then actually facilitate the growth of their artists more effectively. So we actually want managers to be plugged into the network. Mm -hmm. We want record labels to be using the network. Um, and that's how we're that's how we're building it going forward. 
All right. So, well, I am going to bring up somebody that back, back on screen who happens to be a manager. So I know we can uh, dive deeper into this conversation. So, uh, Sam, I know you've been paying attention and everything. Uh, I know you love this kind of stuff, uh, new technologies and everything. Uh, and anything that we can do to, you know, help support the artists, help support, like, you know, make life easier. Uh, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, having that all-in-one kind of system, help with booking, management uh you know licensing distribution all that you know is you know if you can just have it in one ecosystem that's a great thing so uh you know what what are your like what i know you've been listening i know you have probably dying with a question or two so so i first off i i love that this is a topic that we're talking about and i love that it's something that's kind of like happening now because it's something that's been trying to happen for like a, the better part of a decade um yeah and uh i remember being a uh, NYU senior doing my capstone project in entre uh, music entrepreneurship on this idea of like an artist management suite and, and fixing the gaps that occurred between, you know, distribution platforms and, um, you know, you're sort of like your artist growth or master tour or other sort of like live logistics kind of tool set. Um, they're just, it, it's, it's such a complicated space that the most responses that i've seen especially from the artist managers connect community is like yeah i just use google suite and or, or google workspace and and asana and like a, a smattering of tools that kind of like are simple to use and and i just cobbled mm -hmm. together my own solution so i i want to kind of uh have have nick kind of if you can tell me why now is the right time for something like this and what you're doing that kind of cracks that nut yeah so why now well first off we the the music industry has never been more embracive of technology than it is right now um one piece also there's two things that we're doing that crack the nut one we're staying simple i always say tesla made a better engine they didn't make a better wheel like don't reinvent something that doesn't need to be reinvented. I think a lot of problems in the music tech space is people over innovate and then fail. Like I love everything going towards blockchain and crypto. Like I've been getting into it and trying to figuring it out and tracking that market. I think it's great for a lot of things, but I've seen a lot of music tech companies fail because they try to launch a company based on crypto and blockchain and artists don't care. They just want to be music artists. They just want to be and create content. And so that's one thing with us is we keep it simple. We don't overcomplicate. The other thing is we are the same thing as every other company. We're a massive data house. Um, you know, the thing about us is the record labels, you know, when you go to Sony, there's a reason they're efficient. They manage everything, which means they have the resources of everything all in one location. The problem with the space is when you distribute through DistroKid or TuneCore, any of the major independents, they don't have event branding data. They don't have Instagram data. Um, and so the thing with us is we're built like a record label. So because we have all those connections, we're able to build stuff that others physically can't. And we're able to provide that simplicity through AI and machine learning to literally actually make it easier. Um, because that's what a human would be doing is you would be, if you were managing an artist, you'd be looking at like, Okay, where's their streaming numbers from? Where are their ticketing data from? Where should I route this person's tour? The problem with the music tech space is the data is too, you know, segmented and no one has a collection of it all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, a couple, a couple things there. I mean, and you know, we were, t- we, we always talk about like the future and, and we, we look at like the technology and everything. And, you know, you heard us talking about clubhouse and, you know, like, where's that going to go? And, you know, and with what you're doing and, you know, and you touched upon something that uh, with crypto and blockchain and, I am I am a big fan of both. Okay, they need to work things out. Uh, yeah. I'm finally happy with my Bitcoin wallet right now. Okay, after <laughs> after three years, I'm finally it's been rallying. I'm finally happy. Yeah. It's finally over what it was three years ago when I just uh, when when the crash. Um, but blockchain is key. I, I'm a super fan of blockchain. But with crypto, it's like trying to explain crypto to musicians is like, you know, it's like you, you need to get a wallet. You need to write down these 14 words and put it on a piece of paper and lock it away in a safe. And you can't reset your password like that. And by the way, and there were some companies and I remember and they lasted like maybe 18 months. And they're saying, we're going to be the new distribution. We're going to be the new artist management. We're going to do crowdfunding for you. And then you can, you can use our coin. And it's like, you know, you're telling musicians that already like fledgling musicians that are scraping for every dollar that to play the stock market in sense, you know, you're, you're playing with here. Okay. Well, you raised no $10,000 of fiat us currency, and that's going to convert over to 20,000 of our coin. And we have that. Well, when now you can use that to do your studio work in three months and help with your marketing in four months. And it's like, well, what's the coin value worth at that point? What if you crash? So, you know, yeah. and is that something, you know, are, are you, you're talking about AI and everything. Is, is there an area that you're looking at the blockchain? Is, is that going into that? So we don't want to actually build blockchain else. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to get into that. Like there's a couple of things that we don't want to get into. We don't want to get into crypto and blockchain. And we don't want to get into anything that has to do with audio creation itself. Those are the two things. And, and finally, live streaming, which also kind of goes in audio. Mm-hmm. Those those three things are so hefty on development. Like so far, um, I think the only company in the world, at least from my view, that I've seen do blockchain in the music industry and absolutely loved it is a company called Block Party, um, which does the ticketing through blockchain. That is genius. I I would 100% partner with Block Party. Um, I haven't really seen any others that I would off the bat, but then again, I'm also in my cave working every day. So (laughs) if someone's working to a company that has to do with blockchain and crypto, you think artist public would be helpful? Hell yeah, reach out to me. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. So I don't think we'll ever build it ourselves. Um, I mean, hell, I literally just put $100 into Bitcoin the other day. I'm not a Bitcoin person. Um, I just, you know, said, you know what, if it's going to be the future, I might as well have 100 bucks in. Um, right. But, you know, and, that, and that's kind of the thing. That's where I caught the line. But that's the thing with us is we like to keep it simple. Like I said, we're, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just making it operate better. I think so. This is that brings up a really interesting kind of question. And I think this can kind of like dovetail into, you know, mm-hmm. finding out how people can can get involved and, and participate in Artist Republic. But um, 
the thing with with blockchain and and, and uh, cryptocurrencies that can translate across borders and that kind of a thing, it's it's fundamental infrastructure. And I think when you try to sell infrastructure as a service, it's not sexy enough or you know, uh, common enough, democratic enough to really kind of be a, a service, but you can build yeah. services on it. And that's, I think, you know, the, it has to be B2B. Uh, it sounds like what you've built is solving a lot of the infrastructure, but not making infrastructure sort of like the selling point, which is, I, I think, the right move. Um, the question I have is, um, you know, how do you square up that this is, it, it sounds like it's got sort of a, B to C component in the sense of like direct to artists who then can use it to go direct to fans, but then also B to B in terms of like, you can use this as a platform for independent labels and uh, management companies to supplement their, you know, sort of like low headcount. Um, can you tell mm -hmm. me more about how you kind of get from the infrastructure side to, uh, you know, what you're actually selling to the marketplace? So right now we're we're really only focusing on uh, artists, you know that that's our key. Um, we will start expanding into other stuff like that, the businesses side over the next couple months, um, and we really don't plan on facing consumers for a while. Um, consumers are too finicky. Uh, I think that's another reason a lot of music tech companies fail is they focus on the consumer too early. And the problem with that is, you know, you have to have a you have to have a balance when you bring consumers in, because if you have too many artists, not consumers, and the artists leave, and if you have too many consumers and not enough artists, and the consumers leave, um, we're not screwing with that. See, we're just building a network that has services for artists, so we can make all the artists happy, and then we'll low key mm -hmm. add in the businesses, and then we'll add in, you know, stuff like that. So. <clears throat> that's really how we're doing it. And now with that, basically like people don't understand the infrastructure behind the platform. Like you'll never see sure. it. Like for the next three, four months, we're only focusing on infrastructure improvements and building a better supply chain. Now mm -hmm. people that use the network are probably going to be like, Oh cool. It's just easier to use. They're not going to realize that it's literally been six right. months of 80 hour work every single day to the supply chain and make it better. Um, so we're just really good at making the supply chain sexy and making it like double-sided. So like we roll out a service that does one thing on the front face, but like on the backside, it's doing like 15 things for us um, that people have no idea that it's doing that. And then when it connects to another tool, they're like, oh, I see how that connects. Right on. So, uh, you know, we, we do have to wrap up. I, Sam, do you have any uh, yeah. final final uh, thoughts there? My, my final thoughts is really just it, it sounds interesting. It sounds like you're in a competitive space, but you're doing it differently enough that it's not scary, but it's also not just iterative on the existing paradigm of, you know, your, yeah. your digital music aggregators, mm -hmm. as well as your sort of label services distributors that are trying to kind of sell a premium thing without doing too much premium actually um so let let the people know how how do they find you how do they find artist republic and how do they become a a user yeah you can very easily find artist republic at artistrepublic.com as you can see it's spelled up other hand as you can see it's spelled with a k wherever it is over here um artistrepublic.com with a k 
Um, you can find LinkedIn, obviously. Um, Nick Champione. Um, I know this spelling's been up a couple times down here. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find the platform there. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at, at Artist Republic. It's all the same thing. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Right on. All right. Thank you so much, Nick. It, it was great chatting with you. Uh, Thank we're, you. We're, we're going to wrap up, but hang out for a moment because we're going to come back after we roll the credits. All right. So uh, yeah. thanks yeah. again, everybody. Okay. So that's going to be it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to continue the conversation, leave a comment below and stick around. Uh, and we always welcome more comments, chats. I see you want to say hi to Steele, initiate Andy that was out there and the others. And I know there's a few more over there. I mean, we're on multiple platforms, but uh, you can also find us more at musicindustrycity.com and on your preferred podcast player. So once again, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Have a rocking day. Peace.